this episode of Prescription for Life. My name is Linda Gallup, and I'm your host for this podcast series. I'm the health and well-being consultant for Bell & Health, located in Northeast Wisconsin. I work on a team called Business and Community Health, which focuses on bringing health care outside the walls of Bell & And our specific goal is to save lives before they know they need saving by providing health care in convenient locations to our communities. So today, for our topic... We are focusing on those pillars of lifestyle medicine, and this podcast is specifically going to focus on sleep. So today, I'm so happy to be joined by Dr. April Shepard. Dr. Shepard is our facility director of our sleep lab. She is a physician in our sleep medicine area. So welcome, Dr. Shepard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So Dr. Shepard, if you can maybe just start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what kind of things do we have going on in regarding um, sleep here at Bellin? Sure, absolutely. So uh, I started uh, my, I'm actually internal medicine and sleep medicine board certified. Um, so I did my sleep training in Denver, Colorado um, at National Jewish Health. Um, <clears throat> I have been here at Bellin for the last two years, and basically we have all of this all of this sleep services available here at Bellin. So I see adults, I see kids up to the age of six years old and older. Um, so we do have some pediatric services as well. We do sleep studies both in house and at home, um, looking mostly for sleep apnea, but we also do treat all other sleep issues. So sleep apnea, narcolepsy, hypersomnia, parasomnias, um, insomnia, uh, the list goes on. So anything related to sleep, we are capable of managing and we do manage here in our clinic. So what was it about sleep that, that made you so interested in, in specializing in that area? Um, for the most part, I think we all experience our own sleeping issues um, throughout life. Uh, life gets stressful, you know, sleep waxes and wanes. And uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with pulmonary, which I was initially interested in pursuing. So that was kind of my segue into the field. Uh, once I got into the field and I started doing fellowship, I felt like this was my calling. It was where I felt like I was doing the most work, the most help, uh, being the most useful. And so that's what got me to ditch pulmonary and kind of stay with sleep. <laughs> it is the one thing we do most other than being awake. And so it's pretty important. It takes up a big chunk of our lives. So absolutely. Very important. Absolutely. So what do you think is the biggest myth about sleep and, and just the importance that it really does have for us as, as human beings? I think I often hear people talking about like, oh, I don't need to get sleep or I'll, you know, I'll catch up on the weekends or whatever they, they particularly say. What, what, what would you say is, are some myths surrounding sleep? I think that's probably the biggest one. Uh, I don't need to get this many hours of sleep. I do fine with three, four hours of sleep, which is actually proven to be incorrect. So what you think is functioning appropriately with three hours of sleep is probably actually pretty impaired functioning. Um, you may do okay for a short period of time, but as you continue to deprive yourself of sleep, your focus reduces, your attention reduces, um, and your efficiency actually reduces. Um, there are studies to show that uh, people who go more than 24 hours without sleep start operating as though you're impaired or similarly to someone who's impaired with alcohol. 
And so even though you feel fine initially, if you were actually to have objective testing done in a person who's chronically sleep deprived, compared to someone who's getting the prescribed amount of sleep on a nightly basis, you would actually see that there are significant differences in how you respond, how you react, uh, your attention, focus, et cetera. All right, so that is one of the big myths. Even my brother says the same thing to me. Oh, I'm fine with four hours. Uh, you could be a whole lot better if you actually were getting seven hours or if you were aiming for seven, six hours a night. Right, right. Yeah. What about what about the link to chronic diseases? I, I feel like that's something that people don't necessarily know a lot about. Like they may not realize that there, there's actually a connection there. Can you tell us a little more about that? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there is a lot of work in the sleep area uh, looking at not only sleep disorders like sleep apnea, but also looking at people who get insufficient sleep and people who get too much sleep. And there's actually, it's actually interesting that people who get insufficient sleep and those who get too much sleep, they actually have an increased mortality, increased mortality. Um, <clears throat> and so outside of the specific chronic diseases that we link to sleep apnea, your mortality is increased if you're not getting sufficient sleep or if you are oversleeping on a regular basis. Um, with sleep apnea specifically, yes, it can increase your risk of general inflammation, which can affect things like pain, uh, inflammatory disorders, um, under which cardiac disease does fall. So coronary artery disease, uh, basically it's uh, inflammation within the vessels that causes you to have uh, plaque buildup, which then causes a heart attack or can embolize and cause a stroke, et cetera. And so obstructive sleep apnea specifically outside of just waking up every time you stop breathing it does increase your inflammation it increases your inflammatory markers it's a procoagulant state so meaning it increases your risk of clotting um, which can then cause the heart attacks and strokes etc and so yes it is linked to things like high blood pressure heart attacks strokes heart failure even things like diabetes and <clears throat> treating sleep apnea early enough before you get to that point actually improves your risk of developing those chronic diseases. If you've already developed those chronic diseases, obviously we can't undo the damage that's already been done, but you can improve your risk of complications going forward. So if you have heart failure or if you have uh, atrial fibrillation, maybe we can prevent you from having a stroke. Um, if you, outside of sleep apnea, if you're getting appropriate sleep, so sleeping the amount of hours that you should be sleeping, you know, Potentially, we could improve your mortality, have you live longer, have better quality of life. Um, and quality of life is really important. Who wants to live to 120 and be in a wheelchair, you know, debilitated, can't see, can't sleep, you know, feel terrible. You want to live, have the best quality of life uh, you can for as long as possible. And that's why I'm so passionate about sleep. You know, why... <clears throat> focus on right now when you can also focus on the next 50 years. You're not just going to be alive today. You're going to be alive, hopefully, for a period of time. And so why not make that period of time the best that it can be? Right. And I really think, too, you know, even for myself, it's it's just so worth the investment that the next day after a good night's sleep, that is so much better of a day than, exactly. than a night where I didn't get enough sleep. It really, exactly. it really just is an investment for, for the way you feel. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it, getting enough sleep also improves how you behave, how you respond, how you react. Yes. You know, we're yes. in a very stressful time. You know, uh, 
stress in itself can impact your sleep. But if you are able to have better sleep habits, you know, manage your stress properly so that your stress doesn't impact your sleep, you tend to actually respond a whole lot better in stressful situations. And so that is another thumbs up for getting a good quality night's sleep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I know I can feel that. I know I'm a nicer person when I get my sleep in. There's no doubt are. about it. You can ask my husband. I think we all are. So I think, you know, a lot of people struggle with sleep, either, either they struggle to get to sleep or they struggle to stay asleep. And, you know, what do you, what do you recommend? What can people do if they are struggling with sleep? So that goes back to the main cause. So <clears throat> outside of sleeping disorders, if you do have a sleeping disorder, see a sleep physician or see your primary care, have them refer you to a sleep physician. But Outside of sleeping disorders, most of the reason why we get bad quality sleep or insufficient sleep is, you know, because of bad habits uh, and stress, of course. You know, you go to bed, you've got your phone right up to your face, you got all this light coming from this little wonderful device. Um, and what we don't realize is our brains are wired to light. So that's why the sun comes up in the morning. It's nice and bright outside. You wake up, you feel awake and you get going. Everything goes up, you get out of bed. At night it gets dark. And so the darkness helps your brain to start producing the melatonin that you need to get into bed and fall asleep. We live in a digital age. And so almost everything has a lovely light emitting from it, which of course impacts your brain's production of melatonin. So we actually probably have a lot lower levels of melatonin as we watch TV, we're sitting on our iPads, we're sitting on our phones. And then outside of the light, the devices can be pretty darn interesting. And so you've got a lot of things going on on these devices, shows you want to watch, you know, Instagram, social media, et cetera, that actually keeps your attention. And so a lot of people who present with difficulty sleeping, that's the first thing I look at. What are you doing around bedtime that's impacting your sleep? Any devices, any light sources, you want them out of the bedroom. You'd be surprised how many people actually say, oh, I... When I can't sleep, I'm looking at the clock. The clock is projecting on the ceiling or something. Why would you need to look at the clock? There's no need. It's dark outside. I mean, obviously we live, you know, in a temperate climate. And so it gets dark a lot earlier. It doesn't get light as, you know, early as it does in the summer. But if it's dark outside, chances are you probably should be asleep. So you don't need to know what time it is. Uh, your body usually does a pretty good job of letting you know when it's time to get up for the day. You don't need a clock. You don't need the TV on, you don't need to have these beautiful devices that emit all this light next to you for the entire night. You don't need those things in the bedroom. And so bedroom should be for sleep and sex. That's what we say. So it should be perfectly dark. Um, and then the other thing is stress. So how do you manage stress? Do you carry your stress to bed with you? Do you sit in bed thinking of the 50 million things that you were supposed to do today that you may or may not have gotten done. Uh, do you, does it wake you up? Is that the first thing you think about when you wake up? Managing that actually goes a long way to improving your sleep. And there's a lot of tips and tricks that we give to our patients who come with insomnia about how to manage uh, stress or at least get it off your mind so it's not impacting your sleep. Right? But mostly have better sleep hygiene. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I love what you say about the light because I think that's what we just take for granted that we're in front of so many digital devices all the time. And we just don't even realize that that is really doing something to our brain to keep us awake. And the funny thing is, if you wake up in the middle of the night and it's pitch black, the first thing your eyes will gravitate to is a light source. 
right? And so you may not notice it when you first go to bed, but as soon as you wake up in the middle of the night, the first thing, the brightest thing in the room is what your eyes gravitate towards. It's the time. So you wake up even more. You start thinking about all the time. Why am I not sleeping? And it kind of creates this negative feedback loop that we now have to break when you come into clinic with, you know, or when you finally develop insomnia. Right. I love what you said too, how you don't need to know what time it is. Your your body knows. I love that. That's such that's such that's just so wise to share with everybody. I love that. And then the other part of it is that we live in this digital age. Every little device has the capability of alarming, letting you know what time it actually is. So you definitely don't need to look at a clock. <laughs> your alarm will tell true? you. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the other thing I just wanted to touch on today, too, was the idea of rest being important. So you were talking about the stress management and, and some of those pieces. I think so often people um, think that they have to be busy all the time. They have such a long chest checklist of things to do. And we actually know that our body not only needs sleep, but it needs downtime. Can you can you speak to that a little bit? Um. So that's. Not my area of expertise, of course, but personally, I am 1000% a believer in having downtime. Don't take your work home with you. I mean, it's going to be there tomorrow. Uh, you know, if you get to a point where you're so stressed out that you have a heart attack or, you know, you have such debilitating anxiety and you can't perform, how is that going to be helpful? You know, if you take 10 minutes, say at lunch to just sit and meditate, you know, calm down, bring your heart rate down, that probably serves you a lot better than trying to work, work, work every second of the day. Right. You should have, and this is a, probably part of the reason why, you know, people have insomnia as well. You should have separation between states. Sleep and wake are two separate states. There's no intermingling unless you have a sleep disorder, and then that needs to be treated. Work and personal life should have two separate, it should be two distinct separate states. You shouldn't be intermingling them because then you can't shut down the work, you can't turn on the sleep. And so practicing, meditating, shutting off your mind at periods throughout the day, I think is invaluable. Uh, I'm not great at doing it and I probably should be a little bit better at doing it as well. <laughs> Um, and it's something that, you know, I'll continue to work on, but I do think is it is invaluable for your overall health and for your sleep, which then ties into your overall health. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So just one final question then going back to that medical side of things, if people are, how do they know if they really do need to seek some medical attention concerning their sleep? What, what, what should people look for? So the number one thing is to listen to your body. Like I said, your body lets you know. So if you find yourself waking up and you feel terrible and you're tired and you're dragging, that's not normal. I don't think anyone will look at you and say, oh, you know, that's that's normal. Um, if you are falling asleep when you shouldn't be falling asleep, that's abnormal. Most people should be able to stay awake throughout the day. Now, there is that midday slump that is genetically wired into all of us. You just after lunch, you start to get a little bit tired, a little bit sleepy, sometimes worse, depending on what you eat, but that's natural. Even through that, you should be able to be alert and focused when you need to. So for example, you shouldn't be standing up after lunch and fall over because you fell asleep, or you shouldn't be driving and, you know, fall asleep while driving. 
If you notice that those things are happening, you're unable to maintain wakefulness or you feel so tired, then you should probably see someone. And it doesn't have to be a sleep physician. You can start with your primary care. You can start, you know, anywhere just to get that process going um, if you're having any sleep issues. So not being able to sleep, feel like you're sleeping too much, uh, I would definitely say to get checked out. And then if you're noticing anything unusual or if anyone else is noticing anything unusual about your sleep, so you're choking, you're stopping breathing, you're doing weird things in sleep, <laughs> acting out dreams, falling out of bed. If you're injuring yourself during sleep, then you should definitely, definitely be evaluated. Great advice. I think good reminders for all of us to just really pay attention to how we're feeling. And, and really, if we are questioning it, that's why our healthcare providers are here for you. They, they exactly. want to know about you. They want to learn about you. And start with the primary care uh, provider, whoever that may be for you, and, and have those conversations if you do have concerns, because we definitely want to help you live live your best life. So, Dr. <laughs> Shepard, thank you so much for being with us today. It was such a pleasure to have you, uh, Dr. Shepard, uh, physician in our sleep medicine area, providing some great information for all of us today, providing sleep. So thanks to all of you for being with us today. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.